Imagine having the life of your dreams. Not temporary cash and glory, but happiness and inner peace. Explore new ways to be a creator and take your own journey into greatness. Is it possible? What does it take to make that happen? It takes the person known for extreme results. He's called the cage breaker and the ultimate catalyst. Coming back from the brink of death and now crushing it for himself and his clients, this is your Ultimate Life Podcast with Kellen Flukiger. Hello there and welcome to this episode of Your Ultimate Life. This is episode 778 and I am excited to be here today. I use this background uh, on purpose. Today I'm going to talk about choosing creation and that is near and dear to my heart. I'm a creative, but so are you. And I know so many people who say I'm not a creative. Well, this podcast is committed, dedicated, conceived, and completed now for nearly three years. Uh, Actually, we just had our three-year anniversary, so over three years, to help you create whatever you define as your ultimate life. As a starting point, I call it a life of purpose, prosperity, and joy. Or I call it a life of developing your leadership, your love, your legacy, your life in all areas and your business because you can't have real freedom if you're worried about where your next meal is coming from or if you fear for your safety or if your health is so bad you can't enjoy life and you're perpetually in fear of something you know awful happening to you so why would I talk about choosing creation well here's the reason we live in a world where it feels like all the time we're powerless We don't really control what happens around us. So I want to talk very clearly, and perhaps people will be offended, but I want to talk about what you really control and what you don't, what you can choose and what you can't. Uh, Let's start with something really simple. We don't control the weather. You don't control what time the sun comes up or what time it goes down. You can choose to live in the northern hemisphere and the southern hemisphere or have June be winter or summer, but you can't change the seasons and the fact that the earth moves around the sun at an angle and so there are seasons. So you don't control the economy in the macro sense. You control your micro economy. You don't control what other people say or do. You don't control what the governments do. I mean, you get to vote if you live in a place where you can. And that's the extent to which you can can control city, state, provincial, federal, national elections, those kinds of things. So at the end of the day, if you look at all the things going on, we don't control much. The cosmos has been unfolding for billions of years, and we haven't had anything to do with any of it. And in fact, at any given moment, even in this, even in your city, You're aware of less than a millionth of what's going on, let alone the world or the whole cosmos. So the the truth is, the pieces that we're aware of are some microscopic, tiny fraction. That's it. We don't really know much about anything that's going on. But somehow we have this desire and then the arrogant supposition that the tiny fraction of reality that intersects with our awareness, we should somehow be able to control... And it should just be like we want. And if it's not, we get upset. We get upset at 
people when it seems like they're doing something we don't want or whether or governments or God or the universe or whatever. And they ought to be they ought to know better. And if they loved me or if they cared about me, then it would all be for me. Well, you know, it sounds like Gilderoy Lockhart in Harry Potter. And this is another picture of me and me. It isn't like that. It never will be. And it never has been. So what do we control? You control three things. You control your thoughts, you control the feelings that flow from them, and you control what you choose to do about those things. That's it. You might influence other people by talking to them. Uh, You might participate in, in a group or a dialogue or, you know, some form of influence. But at the end of the day, you only control yourself. Now, from that place, there's a lot of things we can do. We can choose to be angry or frustrated. Now, you see that a lot. I remember not too long ago, Joy and I were in a, in a Costco, not far from where we live, and someone, I, I don't know the situation, you never do, right? But a, a little ways up in line in front of a couple other people, there was someone who was shouting in a very unkind way at the uh, clerk that was checking them out. And the clerk was busy trying to do what they needed to do and at the same time trying to, you know, calm this person down and they weren't going to be calmed down. The insults got worse and it got to be pretty embarrassing. So finally, you know, some people, including us, we said something and put an end to the situation. But what's, what's going on? What is happening that someone feels such a lack of control that they feel both justified and it's needed to go off like that. Now, I don't know all the details, and I never will. But what I have observed is that when we feel a lack of control, we tend to lash out at others or yell and rail against whatever's handy, right? Other people, governments, and so forth. That often is a symbol of feeling like we don't control something. Well, what's another alternative? What would happen if I simply accepted what was going on? Like, I can't control it anyway. So if the line takes too long in the store, you've all been in a line after Christmas or some a birthday or something, and somehow everybody in the world is returning something, and they're all in line in front of you. And each one seems to be something special about it. It's not a straightforward return. And then there are disagreements, and someone lost their receipt, and the box is gone, and You know, all of those things, and everybody wants everything to be handled their way. What are your choices? Well, your choices are to go home, come back another time. Your choices are to wait patiently. Your choices, you could strike up a conversation with someone else in line. You know, there's lots of things you can do. I titled today's episode, Choose Creation, because there are three ways to deal with reality. One is to resist it, in which case I get mad about what I see, I actively, maybe I yell about it or I, you know, roll my eyes or I do some other sign of displeasure and I make it known to perhaps people that I think could do something about it and maybe a bunch of bystanders just because I think they ought to know how unhappy or displeased I am or frustrated or how important my next you know, appointment is and how I don't have time to wait in this line for whatever. 
Now, as I say these examples, I want you to not just hear the examples, because they're just examples. I've seen them, you've seen them. But what's more important, I think, is for you to think about your own life. Where have you uh, just resisted reality, resisted what is? Everything to the weather, to someone, what, what someone chose to say or do. We've all been in a situation where someone has talked and said things behind our back or to someone else that either are not true or are very unkind or both. Or maybe they are true and we shared them in confidence. You know, and, and we, we just are struck, we're embarrassed, we're frustrated, we're angry. Why? All of those feelings come from resisting what is. Because what has happened has already happened. Yelling at the weather or reality or any form does not change it. Let's, for example, take a, a situation where a friend or someone you knew finds something out about you and then spreads it around. You might go yell at them and do all kinds of stuff. They might then apologize and say they were wrong and everything else. But it doesn't put the genie back in the bottle. It doesn't change what is. Uh, they might then take further action and go tell everybody I shouldn't have done that. Every possible thing still doesn't put the genie back in the bottle. So railing against what is, being angry with, resisting, refusing to believe, all those things are nonproductive. <clears throat> now, that doesn't mean if something you get a flat tire and you don't like it that you shouldn't change the tire. Railing against reality means we're trying to undo the past, taking action in the present to fix something that is today. I have a flat tire. I'm going to go fix it. Of course, that's fine. So here's the problem with resisting reality. That Well, there's several. Number one is you always lose. You never win that conversation, that battle, or that war. You can't because what's done is done. You might take, again, action to change what's going in the future, but you can't change what's past. So anger or frustration or hating someone or, you know, trying to get revenge or anything, that doesn't change ever in any circumstance what's past. Another, and so that's one reason you lose every single time, but that's not the worst part. The worst part is when we, when we do that, we suffer when you are filled with anger or hate or anything leading up to that, the chemistry in your body is poison. It's toxic. I read a book a while ago called Anger Kills by a doctor. I think he was in New York, but it doesn't matter. Did a study about the, a long-term study about the lives of people who were angry a lot and uh, he took his, you know, sample, a large sample. It was a good study. And he discovered, not surprisingly, but it was proof positive that the chemicals of anger, hate, frustration, negativity are corrosive. They eat away at parts of your body and they kill you. So people that live perpetually frustrated or angry died several years earlier on average. So... It's a very costly way to live. So it kills you, isn't one thing. Another thing that it does is it reduces your options for action. 
I'm going to call that angry, negative, hateful, resentful, you know, that active resistance. Uh, I'm going to call that low-grade thinking, low-quality thinking. And I'm I'm not judging it in terms of you're bad if you do that. I don't mean that. But the consequences of that are well established. Besides corroding your body and killing you, it narrows your options because you lose creative focus. That's not hard to understand. Creativity. We've all seen sports players, hockey players, basketball players. I uh, use those there top of mind right now because as I record this, uh, the NBA Finals and the, the Stanley Cup are underway. And when it's broadcast in a, in a few weeks, uh, they'll be over. But that's why I thought of that. As sports play, players like that, you've seen it in skiers. You've seen it in performers on stage. Maybe you've experienced this as you've given a presentation at work. When you're in a state of flow, a state of automatic excellence, a state of feels like time slows down and you have access to all kinds of creative genius and power. The brain state in the state of flow is different than in the state of agitation. Generally, you have a lot of alpha waves. Alpha waves are slower waves than the beta waves that are part of active thinking. And so when you live in a state of heightened beta, which is activity and brain cycles above 14, but it doesn't really matter, you can't have flow, creativity, and the kind of ease. So when I say it, destroys your access to creativity it's it's a it's a fact in terms of how the brain operates another uh, proof of that is how many times have you heard someone say well if i had that to do over again i wouldn't or they say i was angry as if that were a universal explanation for behavior that they later regret well i was angry Well, that right there, the fact that it is so pervasive and we have sort of an automatic, yeah, okay, kind of feeling, not that they deserve it or that we should. Again, we get to create the reality from that. That's all kinds of proof that you don't have access to your best thinking when you're angry. So it kills you and you can't do good. That's really simple. The second kind of reaction to reality is one of, I call it, allowing Or acquiescence. That's like, okay, what is, is. I got fired. Someone did this to me at work. My car got towed. Uh, You know, whatever negative thing happened. And we don't freak out and pull up all that other chemistry. But instead, we get sad or resigned. And then we say things like, why does this always happen to me? You know, and we go to victim mode. We go into the pouty corner uh, and feel like the world is unfair or um, people are being unkind. You know, the problems are out there. They should do different. They should be nicer to me. They should treat me different. They should, right? Sometimes we even go government should, God should. Somebody else should do that. And this is not from a place of anger, but but a place of acquiescence or allowing. Okay, it's like that. Uh, nothing I can do. And we sort of uh, muddle through 
hoping that things are going to get better. Now, that kind of approach is way better than resisting reality, fighting, and anger, because it doesn't produce anywhere near the chemistry that's corrosive that kills you. But it does produce very little result. It's not a state of action. It's not a state of creation. And it certainly doesn't access the alpha creative state of flow and problem solving. Another way to think about this sort of middle area of reacting, I call it a state of abdication. Essentially, I'm giving up my right to create by giving in. Now, when I'm talking about this whole thing, I don't, I'm not ever going to say, okay, you have to like, or you, you, it's not that you chose the things that have happened. Wow, this is exactly what I wanted to have happen. Well, that may not be what you thought was going to happen or what you wanted. But as soon as it is, that choice, that fork in the road, resistance, acquiescence, or creation, resistance, which we talked about, acquiescence, or accepting, or allowing, or abdication. Of course, you know, there are all kinds of different ways of describing that range of things. It's kind of like victim giving up, blah, I'll muddle through, I'll do the best I can. I even include things like, well, everything happens for a reason. And I think it does. But that phrase is often said, well, everything happens for a reason. Like, I know it's tough, it's really hard, it seems unfair, but there must be a reason and someday I'll know what it is. That's victim speak. That's weak. That's not creating your ultimate life. That's not claiming your divine right as a sovereign creator. And I want you to think, if you're willing to go with me, to places in your life where that is your reaction. And you can have that. You know, your, it is your right to choose. And, you know, the funny piece is we do choose. What I notice is that quite often it's automatic and we haven't thought about it. And we don't take a minute to create space. Now, I'm writing a book right now called Living with Purpose and Power. It'll be out toward the end of this year. <clears throat> and one of the things I talk about is what I call getting to zero. Getting to zero is just the act of noticing Wow, something happened and I'm having a reaction. Then what? Hmm, this happened unexpectedly. I'm having a reaction. What do I choose? That is getting to zero where you're claiming your right to sit for a moment at the fork. Resistance, acquiescence, or creation. That is a powerful tool. Just get to zero. Just slow down. Just notice there is a place of choice. Now, we've talked about active resistance, and we've talked about all the acquiescence and abdication and giving in and victim speak, including, well, everything happens for a reason. And now let's talk about the, the last fork, which is the one of power. It's the one of awesome power, infinite creativity, wild possibility, and there's unlimited opportunity on that fork. And I might sound like I'm just saying all the most positive things I can about it, and you know what? I am. Because here's what I know about that. If you stop, no matter what happens, uh, no matter what happens, and recognize that you have a choice, the whole world opens up for you. 
Now, I'll give you an example. I've used it before on some other podcasts a long time ago, but I'll share it again. After the, the summer of 2018, six years ago now, when I died, a few months later, <clears throat> after I was in a coma and got out and all that other stuff, a few months later in December of that year, uh, there was a recurrence in my spine, my upper spine of the superbug that had killed me the first time. Uh, this time it wasn't necessarily life-threatening, but it did paralyze me from the waist down. I woke up on December 5th, 2018, unable to move below the waist. I didn't know that, of course, so I got out of bed and fell on my face. And it became quickly apparent that nothing was working below the waist. And so I thought, wow, this is unexpected. What am I going to do? And my first thought was to try to get downstairs and get at my desk because I had some coaching calls that day. I was going to try to complete them, and Joy was beside herself, thinking I needed to go to the hospital. And eventually she prevailed because I couldn't. I knocked the dog gates down trying to get down the stairs and a bunch of other things, and it became clear to me that uh, life had other plans. So as I lay there waiting for the ambulance, I did manage to crawl on my arms across the room. We got down one set of stairs, and I uh, crawled to the couch, and sh she helped me up on the couch. <clears throat> so I lay there waiting. For the ambulance and all of those things that I just talked about crossed my mind. Uh, I why did this happen? I just barely six months ago, not even six, five months ago, had this thing where I had literally died, flatline, had these incredible experiences, lost thirty five pounds, couldn't walk, started over again, on and on and on and on. If you want to read about all that, it's in the book Meeting God at the Door: Conversations, Choices, and Commitments of a Near Death Experience. Anyway. As I lay there, the, the opportunity to be frustrated or negative went through my mind. The opportunity to be acquiescent, why does this happen to me, oh, I guess I'll get through it, all that crossed through my mind, and I actively dismissed it, because I said, I don't want to look at this this way. And so what I said to myself, and this is all going on in my head, I said, okay, what is the gift here? And I meant it. What is there is a gift here? And I started thinking through different things. So this podcast isn't episode isn't really about that experience, although it's an example. And if you want to read about that, that's in a book called Walking Without Fear. But anyway, it's an example of the choice. I made an active choice to find the gift. Now, as a result, I was able to find many gifts. I went to the hospital in an ambulance, first time in my life, calm, organized. I was able to uh, meet with the doctor. They took x-rays, did an op x-rays and MRIs and stuff, did an operation that day, et cetera, et cetera. But I was able to do it with complete presence of mind, complete focus, joyful, um, joyful love. There is something for me here, and I'm going to find it. I'm committed to explore it. So that's just an example of something that happened to me that was pretty extreme. I mean, waking up paralyzed is certainly off the rails. But there are a thousand opportunities daily for us to do that. What is going on in your life right now where you can say, if you want to, what is the gift here? What is the opportunity for me to grow? What can I learn from this? That's one layer of gift. 
And the highest layer of gift is what can I create? What loving action? How can I create from this circumstance service and love for someone else? Maybe one of the challenges is to get out of thinking everything is about us. So, yeah, we can say, what's the gift to me? And that's still all about us. Uh, A higher level of creation is what is the gift I can create for others? How can I, from this place, serve someone in a way that I wouldn't have even thought of or considered if this extraordinary thing hadn't happened? Wow. I don't know. Do you believe that? Do you think that? If you do, great. I'd love to have comments and hear back from you about circumstances where that's happened. Think about that. In a, if, an extreme example of that, of course, if you think if you know a Christian story, is when Christ was crucified and dying and just about ready to give up the ghost. He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And so what he was doing in that moment is he was creating a gift for others including those who tortured and killed him. That was a gift for others out of his pain and suffering. So those are extreme examples. Not being able to walk, and certainly nothing compares with the one that I just described from Jesus. Now, let's get down to just real life. Day-to-day actions, you and me, here now. Do you get up when you want to? Do you hurt when you get up? Do you feel like leaning in with love to all you have to do today? All you've chosen to have to do today? If someone calls you and interrupts you, are you frustrated? Are you negative? Do you say, what gift can I create from this? How can I love and serve? That doesn't mean you give in to every interruption. I'm not saying that. You have to be the best steward of your time and your resources because you are committed to create whatever it is. One of my commitments in my personal truth statement is I am that I take God's work for my own to joyfully bring souls to Christ or to God. I choose to be, to fill up my day with that. So when people interrupt me, my thought is how can I do that in this non-interruption, this opportunity. How can I create an opportunity here to love this person? That doesn't mean I run around preaching because I don't. Uh, But I do love. I do find opportunities to serve. And the things that I'm sharing with you that I've learned to do, I've learned the hard way. And by that, I mean with multiple trial and errors, many failings. I could list hundreds without even pausing for breath of times and examples where I failed to do that. The purpose of this episode is to talk about creating purpose for your life, creating clarity for your life, confidence to act in whatever situation you want to act, and cash to build your leadership of self and others, to create the kind of life you want, and build the business you want. And those are all so interrelated. I've sometimes said that I'm a business coach and sometimes a life coach, and people think that they're completely different and they're not. Leadership, life, and business, that's all there is. You lead yourself, you lead others. You create your life the way you want it to be, and both those things determine how much, you can, how much good you can do and how much money you can make in your business. So today, choose to create. We're back to our 
are fork, resistance, acquiescence, and creation. My, my invitation and challenge to you is every single time you have an emotion that involves, you know, someone else or the day or activities or circumstances not being what you wished, thought you had, or imagined, just stop and choose your next uh, words and actions intentionally. I was going to say carefully, but intentionally. What do you wish to create? Because whatever it is has already happened. You're there in it. And maybe your best action is to fix something that's broken. Are you going to fix it with anger, with frustration, or with love? Maybe your answer is to ignore it because it doesn't really matter that much. But you need to set somebody's mind at ease. Because maybe somebody's worried that you're going to be upset. And maybe you say, wow, it's okay. And you create ease and flow and love for that person and dismiss whatever happened. Maybe it's something quiet. I have a a situation with my music computer in the studio over there. I'm pointing over there because the studio's over there where it's not working like I want in certain circumstances. And it's cost me some hours and some, you know, questions about how to do it, some notes to different software vendors, etc. And so what I've done is just taken the opportunity to refine other areas. I have chosen intentionally to create growth and benefit. So in every circumstance, choose to create. You are the sovereign architect of your life. You have infinite power. You have um, no limit to what you can achieve. But it starts with owning your life. It starts with believing in yourself. And it starts with recognizing and being willing to own the opportunity to choose and then choose intentionally. No more abdication. No more just reacting. No more that's the way I am. Stop every feeling that you have and check, is this who I want to be? This thought, this feeling, this action, these words, this eye roll, this smile, this gesture of openness. Who do you want to be? Choose to create. What? Well, create love. Create beauty. Create invitation. Create safety. Create a place where people want to be, to be heard and to be loved. I know this from my own work and from my own failings and from clients that I've helped. I invite you to choose every time creation from love, from joy, and that way you will create your ultimate life. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We hope that you take it deeply into your heart and decide for yourself how you can create anything you desire. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to this podcast and share it with your friends. As always, we'd love to hear your feedback and topic suggestions. Until tomorrow, this is Your Ultimate Life with host Kellen Flukiger. Stand with your heart in the sky.